call to worship with a responsive call at the end from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Glory to you, Lord Christ, our light and our salvation. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading begins in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Our second reading continues through the Gospel of Luke. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, 
When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to uh, Judea, uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, uh, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was... With the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at uh, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, Merry Christmas uh, to you all. It's a delight to be gathered together to worship our Savior this evening. And uh, I'd like to spend a few minutes uh, reflecting on the meaning and the mystery 
of what Christmas is about. And to understand the meaning of Christmas, uh, C.S. Lewis used the illustration of a diver. He said, you, you imagine a, a diver is in a boat and he, he's looking out on the sea and he sees down on the sea floor a pearl at the bottom. And so he strips off his garments and he dives into the green waters. And as he dives down, he gets down where the water gets darker and blacker and colder. And as he goes down, his ears are, feel the pressure and his lungs are, are you know, longing for air. And as he gets to the bottom of the sea, he grabs hold of this Pearl, this treasure. And then he makes a turn and he rises up into the water and he bursts out of the water with his treasure in hand. And uh, Lewis says, this is basically what Jesus has done for us on Christmas. He was the son of God who was uh, in heaven and who looked down on the darkness of humanity, all our sin, all our, our suffering, our frailty, our loneliness, our depression. He saw all the darkness of humanity and uh, he stripped himself of his heavenly glory and he dove down into the darkness and to the deepest and darkest places to find us and to grab hold of us and pull us from the bottom of the, the seabed and to lift us up into the light and into the presence of God and to eternal life and into glory. This is uh, the story of Christmas, the great descent before the great ascension. And so this Christmas Eve, I want to uh, I want to take a few moments to reflect on the depth that Jesus dove down to come and save us. And to to help us reflect on that, I want to take those famous words that we just read from Luke two and in verse seven there, where it says, "And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger." And I think in this one verse, we see how deep the layers that Jesus dove down into to come and rescue us. And the three layers that we see is that he dove down into humanity, he dove down into creation, and he even dove down into hell itself to come and rescue us. So I want to talk about each of those uh, three layers as we reflect on the wonder and mystery of Christmas this evening. So how deep did God dive to save us? Well, the first answer is this. He dove into the depths of humanity, and that's maybe the most basic thing to know about Christmas is it says that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. And this is the son of God who uh, had a mother and uh, he was held in her arms. He had a family of origin. He lived in a certain town. He was born in a certain year. He became a human. And you might wonder, how does God, the immortal, the invisible, the spirit, the creator of the universe, who knows all things and controls all things, how does he become a finite human being. Well, uh, C.S. Lewis, this is the second of three C.S. Lewis quotes in this homily. In his chapter, he has a chapter called The Great Miracle, which is about the incarnation. It's about Christmas, about God becoming a man. And he, uh, he says that one of the principles that we even see in the world around us is that everywhere the great enters the little. Its power to do so is almost the test of its greatness. Greater things can become lesser things. And uh, what I mean by that is, uh, you take, for example, my, my family has a, a little dog named Poppy who's a little 10-pound ten, uh, 
Cavapoo. And uh, my daughter, Molly, loves to play with Poppy. She gets down on the ground, and she kind of pounces around like she's a dog. And, you know, she'll let her kind of gnaw on her fingers and stuff like that. And, you know, I've thought about, you know, Poppy normally would have a litter of little, you know, brothers and sisters that Poppy would wrestle with. And since she doesn't have the brothers and sisters, dogs to play with, Molly becomes a dog to play with her. And this is the big difference between Molly and Poppy. Molly's the greater of the two. Molly can become a dog, but the dog cannot become like a human. Molly can get on the ground and play with the dog toy, but Poppy cannot play tennis or do homework or bake cookies. It's the mark of how much greater Molly is than Poppy that she can become like a dog, but Poppy cannot become like her. It is the mark of God's greatness that he can come down from the heights of some such majesty to become one of us and become like us. And his descent is far greater than a little girl becoming like a dog. For him to become one of us, he had to take on all of our frailty, all of our suffering and sickness and the temptations that go with human life. He took on the loss of friendship, the conflict of the world, and ultimately death itself. And in this passage, you know, when Jesus descended into humanity, he didn't come to the top level of humanity. He didn't come to the rich people, the important people. He was born here into a poor family. He was born into the margins. He went to the very bottom of humanity. That's how far he dove down to save us. And so we see first that uh, the Son of God, when he dove down at Christmas, he dove down into humanity. And it's the mark of his greatness that he could become like us. But he didn't stop there. He dove down even deeper. And the second thing that we see in in, uh, this verse is that he dove down into the depths of creation itself, the earth. What God has made. And what I mean by that is that when the Son of God entered the world, the Bible is clear that he did not just come to redeem humanity, but he came to redeem nature itself. And, uh, and that's why in this passage, when he's born of Mary, it's, uh, it says that they laid him in a manger, which would, would have been the, the room in the bottom of a house where all the animals were kept. And so he comes, when the Son of God comes, he comes to be with humans. He also comes to be with the animals. And we find out later in the Bible that in Romans 8, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, the creation, you know, you think of all the stars and the sun and the, the mountains and the, the oceans with all the fish and all the creatures on this, you know, God's good green earth. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It's an incredible statement that that Jesus is coming to redeem nature itself. And one thing about becoming a human is that, you know, the human body is deeply tied to the world around us. You know, it's amazing to think of how many animals' anatomy is very similar to ours, right? They have brains, and they have stomachs, and they have spines, and they have mouths and eyes. And and we say, wow, we're made. We're similar. It's like the animals are within us. And uh, it's not only the animals, um, but, you know, our bodies are made of plants, of the plant world. That's, you know, we eat plants. And if you say, well, I eat steaks. Well, that cow ate plants, and those plants became a cow, and then you ate the cow. So your body is made up of plants. And actually, you know, those plants take the sun and store the energy of the sun within them. And then when you eat the plant, you're eating sun energy. And so your body, you have sun energy in you, you have plants, you have animals in you. And then, uh, you know, uh, Aquinas, the great uh, medieval theologian, 
um, said a similar thing about the soul. He said, you know, the soul is, is basically the form and movements of any living thing. And he said, so, so there's the vegetable soul. Vegetables have a soul. And then the, uh, the uh, animals have a sensitive soul. And humans have a rational soul. And humans subsume all the different qualities of the plants and the animals within themselves. And then we have this rational character that we're kind of like the angels, the whole animal and plant worlds are summed up in the human person. And actually, even to take this a little farther, bear with me. You know, I was thinking about all the elements in the earth and how many of them are in the human body. And uh, many of them are found in the human body. You know, I always think about when women are giving birth and they're always talking about, do they have enough iron in their blood? And, you know, I always think about that. Iron? We have iron in us, the metal. You know, the earth is 35% iron. And it's incredible. It's like earth itself is found in the human body. And when the Son of God joined himself to the human body, he joined himself to the earth and the animals and the plants. But it's even more than that. You know, uh, a human being is not just a body. A human being is a soul-body union. It's like we have the body of an animal and the mind of an angel. It's like, it's like heaven and earth come together. It's the meeting place or within the human. And when Jesus became a human, he took on a human body and a human soul. And so it's as if the Son of God was joining himself not just to humanity, but to the whole creation of animals and plants and non-organic elements and spirits and souls, so that in him not only would humanity find her redemption, but nature itself. This is the way uh, C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, This doctrine of universal redemption, spreading outwards from the redemption of man, mythological as it will seem to modern minds. Some of you think this sounds the redemption of nature, mythological. And Lewis says, yes, the gospel is about the true myth. Jesus is the true myth. He says, mythological as it will seem to modern minds is in reality far more philosophical than any theory which holds that God, having once entered nature, should leave her and leave her substantially unchanged or that the glorification of one creature could be realized without the glorification of the whole system. The union between God and nature in the person of Christ admits no divorce. He will not go out of nature again, and she must be glorified in all ways which this miraculous union demands. And you say, wow, what a wonder. When he dove down, he, he didn't just dive into humanity. He dove into the deepest places of the earth and bound himself to the very elements of the creation. But he dove even further. And the third thing we see is that he dove even to the depths of hell itself. The lowest place in existence. And even in his birth, the destiny of the Son of God was being whispered. And you see it in those words where it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Why the little detail about the swaddling cloths? Do you know the only other time in the Gospels when Jesus' body would be wrapped in cloth? It won't be at the beginning of his life. It'll be at the end of his life. And he won't be laid in a manger. In the end of Luke's Gospel, after Jesus is crucified, Joseph of Arimathea it says, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone. His body was wrapped and laid again. Already when Mary wrapped the baby Jesus, God had in view Jesus' deepest descent 
he was destined for the cross where all the sins of the world would be laid upon him. On the cross, the Son of God would experience hell itself. He would take the judgment that we deserve in our place. He would go to the darkest and loneliest floor of the sea of existence. And there he would grab hold of us. And then there would be the turn. He would rise, carrying us, carrying those who deserved hell, carrying those who had died in faith, awaiting his coming, but also carrying with him nature itself to be joined into the presence of God forever. This is what we are celebrating. This is the meaning, this is the mystery of Christmas. How do you respond to such a wonder? How do you respond to such love and hope? How do you respond to such mystery? Well, we see uh, in the Gospels that it's the same way, whether it's the, the shepherds, whether it's the angels, whether it's the wise men who are coming from the east, they all respond in the same way, worship. What else can you do before a mystery but worship? And so we're going to continue our time uh, worshiping uh, together as God's people on, on this Christmas and um, we're going to take these next few minutes, and as the musicians uh, play and sing for us, we're, we're going to uh, uh, let Ava sing the words of Lo, How a Rose, uh, Air Blooming, and meditate on these words. Because uh, the angels worshipped, and, uh, and uh, the wise men, they worshipped, and the shepherds worshipped. But it says here that Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. So I invite you now to ponder these mysteries in your heart together.